I know the exact date Andrew Carter started at the NNO, more or less, because he started at some point a couple days after November 11th, 2011, which meant I got to cover the Carrier Classic on the Carl Vincent, and he didn't. Uh, we'll talk about that and more today on the ACC Now podcast. This is episode 14. I'm sports columnist Lucy Cock, and Andrew Carter, uh, esteemed former UNC beat writer, is joining us uh, Duke UNC re- week. Uh, just a few days away from the first game of the season and Mike Krzyzewski's last trip to the Smith Center. But Andrew Carter has made many trips to the Smith Center over the past uh, 11, 11 years, if my math is correct, 12 years. Uh, Andrew, what is your favorite Duke, North Carolina memory from your time on the UNC beat, which you left when? Let's get that clear first. All right. I think I left, I want to say the, uh, let's see here. I mean, the 2017 season was the last full UNC basketball season I covered, which, hey, UNC fans, like coincidence or not, you know, they won the national championship my last year. Haven't quite been to that level. Since then, Uh, I did cover, yeah, I will say I did cover a few games, started that 17-18 season, but really my last one was 2017, and I mean, I feel like the question you just asked, so it was sort of a a setup type question to get UNC fans to dislike me even more. Even more? (laughs) Because, you know, what stands out to me is like, I mean, it's the Austin Rivers game. It's that overtime game in Cameron in 2015 where you had uh, Isaiah Hicks, I think, hesitated in the lane and kicked it out to J.P. Tokido on the baseline for a shot that Roy did not want that shot. No, nobody wanted Nobody was safe to say, but yeah, but there were, you know, it's Duke UNC. There's so many great games all the time. But, you know, really, for me, the one that really sticks out is that 2012 game it's the austin rivers game and you know sometimes i forget these duke one and duns like the other day i had a revelation and remembered that jabari parker played at duke like some of these kids i I forget (laughs) that they that they played at duke because they're you know they're there for six months or eight months or whatever it is and they're gone but you know austin rivers another one and done Everyone's going to remember that shot. And the fact that that one happened in the first Duke-UNC game I happened to cover really is always going to stick out uh, in my memory. One of those all-time great finishes. Kind of a collapse, let's be frank, and you know some weird oh, things. Yeah. yeah, the last two minutes were an absolute collapse. Yeah, some squirrely things happened at the end of that. Tyler Zeller like scoring his own bucket. Right. And, uh, and Seth Curry walked, you know, let's, let's be real. He kind of, you know, he took a little Texas two-step there on the, on the perimeter. Um, but it was sort of like everything that could go wrong went wrong down the stretch of that game for UNC. Uh, and I remember that. And I remember later that year, UNC stopped them in Durham in the regular season finale. And it looks like UNC is on this collision course with Kentucky to play for the national championship that year or meet in the final four, depending on how the bracket would have been, it would have turned out they would have played for the national title. Uh, and then, you know, of course, Kendall Marshall gets hurt. John Henson was banged up. 
one of the great what ifs in UNC basketball history is that 2012 team. For sure, for sure. I, I, I mean, I the Austin Rivers game is one that sticks with me. You and I also covered uh, together a, a few ACC tournaments, Duke UNC games. I remember in Brooklyn, uh, the uh, the Grayson Allen hip triple blip is yes uh, slip strip play for ship game, which is the greatest. That was your life. proudest moment. It really was. It's so 2018. It really is never going to get any better than that. It's all been downhill the last the last four years. But uh, like, how much fun was that ACC tournament? Second year in Brooklyn. Uh, Actually, it really, really wasn't a lot of fun. Now that I think about it. the first year, is better. But uh, that was that was no, that was what that was twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen, Duke beat UNC in Brooklyn. Uh, twenty eighteen, they they beat them in the semis, I believe. Well, I was not there for twenty eighteen. Oh, that's right. You were there for twenty seventeen. See, like you just miss me so much that you can't even get the date straight. It's like I've always been there. I it is. All right, here's one. I, here's one. I know you were there. Uh, 2019, the, uh, the, I was there for 2019 and that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, yeah. And, and I was no longer covering UNC day in, day out, but that was an amazing game. And really like that game to me is sort of like a throwback to how it was back in the day where you had these NBA stars all over the court. You know, you had Zion on one end, you had Kobe White. You had Cam Johnson. Uh, Luke May was on that team, right? Still? Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was there kind of forever. So I get a little bit mixed up in my mind. Yeah, he, was. Uh, he was. But yeah, I mean, that was a ton of fun. You know, you remember that Zion breakaway. I mean, it was up and down the court all game long, a one point Duke victory, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, correctly. And, and that's really in my mind, what like a Duke Carolina game should be. And, you know, we can talk about this, but in my opinion, it's just, uh, you know, those are kind of growing a little bit more rare in, in today's era of college basketball. And I mean, you know, th this is not coming up on Saturday. This is not like your vintage. This is not your, you know, your, your uncle Andrew or Luke's. Duke Carolina game. I mean, Duke is good. Duke, Duke has a team that's going to be in the mix. Carolina's good at home. Good at home. But I'll say, like, you know, when the best player on the court for one of the two teams is a borderline NBA guy, uh, and Armando Baycott or Caleb Love, neither one of those are, or neither one of them are surefire NBA talents. Uh, you know, it sort of gives you pause a little bit, given the standard of what this rivalry has been for so long. It's crazy to think that that last year uh, was the first time in 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 I think sixty something years that uh, that the teams played unranked, like where one of them was not ranked. Like that just blew yeah. me away when I did the math on that. And I remember trying to talk to Doug Moe and talking to Bucky Waters and. And it was actually kind of an anomaly then even because UNC ended up, Duke ended up winning the ACC title that year and UNC ended up ranked uh, or had been ranked before and after that game. It, 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 was, it was an anomaly even then. And obviously it's not going to happen again this year. Um, but uh, it's just crazy to think that it went that long. 61 years, 1960, um, between games that were, that were unranked. 
Vic Bubis coaching the Blue Devils. Not even a glint in my father's eye. No. Art Heyman was on the freshman. Said. Art Heyman was on the freshman team. That tells you that he didn't play in that game. He was on the freshman team. Roy Williams was a nine-year-old baseball fan in Asheville. <laughs> That's going back. It that is. has been quite some time. All right, let's go back to when you were more than a glint. Uh, growing up, <laughs> growing up in, in Raleigh. Uh, were you of the generation where they wheeled the AV card in on Friday for the quarterfinals, or are you absolutely yes? No, I was. So you know, I turned forty years old earlier this year, a big milestone birthday, and I think I was on the tail end of kids who got to experience the whole let's roll in the TV on the AV cart into the classroom and turn on the ACC tournament. So this for me would have been in middle school. Uh, I grew up in Raleigh, um, you know, heart of ACC country. I, you know, I went to a lot of games actually at Reynolds Coliseum when I was a kid, because frankly, those were easy tickets <laughs> in the mid 1990s. Like you could actually get into Reynolds to see a game. Uh, unlike Cameron, unlike the Smith Center at that point, the Smith Center, was, you know, we can talk about that later on. There's good seats to be had for most games. Back then, much more of a hot ticket. Uh, and yeah, like, you know, I remember distinctly in the eighth grade, uh, you know, that would have been the 1995 tournament. And Duke, you know, I have a confession to make for our listeners. This, you know, again, this is going to make UNC fans hate me even more <laughs> than they already do after my previous revelation earlier in the show. But I was actually a Duke fan as a kid really uh yeah just because yeah because i kind of got hooked on college basketball with those late 80s early 90s duke teams mm. that's like my first memory of college basketball it's watching my well i have earlier memories slightly but my first memory of caring really was like the 1991 uh final four and i was like i guess i was nine years old about to turn 10. Um, and, and yeah, like, I, you know, Duke, Duke had some ballers back then, and I love their jerseys and the way they played. And yeah, I mean, who knows how kids become fans, right? And that was just it for me. And I became a Duke fan, and I was still a Duke fan in the mid 90s. Uh, that 95 ACC tournament, they were bad that year. That was the year of, of Kay's uh, back issues where he sat out most of the year. But yeah, I remember very vividly in uh, our science class, which was like the last period of the day, Duke played Wake Forest that afternoon. And of course, this is the old school ACC tournament schedule, you know, where the championship game used to be on Saturday afternoon. Semifinals were Friday, uh, Sunday afternoon. Sunday, yeah. Semifinals were Saturday afternoon. Friday, all eighteen or eight of nineteen played. Right. Friday. All right. So right, it was right. So Thursday night was a play-in game. It was the Les Robinson Invitational. Les Robinson Invitational, but Friday was a quarterfinal day. Right. And top-seeded Wake Forest played whatever eight or nine. I guess Duke was the nine seed that year. Uh, I think they were last, but yeah, played uh, the two o'clock game. Uh, and they wheeled in the TV, and Duke was up big, and then Randolph Childress happened. All right, stop right there. 
This is the longest anyone has ever gone between the words 1995 ACC tournament and Randolph Childress in recorded human history. That is the, the biggest gap between the mentioning of those two phrases ever. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> and actually, I guess that, that had to be in the noon game, right? Because I was getting yeah. ready to get out of school too. So that was a noon game. But anyway, Duke got up big. And then Childress just sort of, you know, started to go off and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, yeah, it was a sort of, you know, like the cliche imagery in your mind where, you know, you just have these middle school kids gathered around the TV, watching some hoops uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it's 1995, a pre-internet world, really, uh, you know, way before social media. And we're all just having this communal experience. Uh, watching that tournament in middle school. And I do feel badly that kids today don't get that nowadays. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, you're just following it like whatever way you can on your phone or whatever. But yeah, it, it was a special deal back then for those of us who really could experience it that way. And, and, yeah, and NC State actually lost to Duke in the Thursday night game. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was uh, certainly uh, predictable. Uh, I was lucky enough in 2004 to cover the last nine-team ACC tournament in Greensboro uh, when you had all nine fan bases in the building all day on Friday. Uh, you know, people would show up at 10.30 or 11 and, and stay till midnight or 12.30 whenever the last game ended. That was my first ACC tournament, which was, uh, you know, Maryland and, and, and Gary Williams making the run. Um and uh, the guy got shot. The guy shot himself in the butt in the middle of the Wake Maryland game. That's uh, one of my favorite ACC moments, ACC history moments. Uh, a great the, moment. The Baltimore Ravens uh, owner's bodyguard shooting himself in the butt right next to Skip Prosser, uh, who, who, who looked around <laughs> going, what, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> what is and, that loud uh, noise? You know, Maryland beat uh, NC State. In the semis, when NC State's managers were called for a technical foul for taking too long to wipe up the floor. Uh, Larry, wasn't classic, that Larry Rose? It was Larry Rose, a classic yeah. NC State moment. Uh, John Gilchrist lit it up for Maryland. And if, if Scooter Sherrill had been healthy, the Wolfpack uh, would not have lost. Those, these are all things that have entered into ACC lore that, that, that cemented themselves deep in my brain that day. And then Maryland uh, upset Duke in the championship game. Uh, let's just take a moment here, Andrew, to pause and just note how much better the ACC was with Maryland. Uh, it's just, I was just telling that story every time I, I just think about, you know, what a, what a, what a terrible thing it was that Maryland is now off in this conference with Nebraska and, and, and Iowa and Minnesota and the ACC is, has Louisville instead, Louisville perpetual probation. <laughs> Way better with Maryland. Because uh, everyone hated Maryland around here, but that made right. it more fun. Absolutely. And that's, you know, who can really get that excited other than ESPN about Syracuse? Nobody. Uh, no offense to Syracuse. It's a great program, and, and obviously they played some good basketball. Sure. But it's not. You don't, you know, Duke doesn't hate Syracuse the way that, that Duke and Maryland, like Grievous Vasquez and all. Like, that was good stuff. That was the stuff that made the ACC the ACC. Great stuff. And you go back to like way back in the day, this, you know, 70s with that oh, 70, yeah. you know, the state Maryland classic game that led arguably to the expansion of the NCAA tournament. 
uh, 80s, Lefty Drizel, Len Bias. I mean, that's like heart of the ACC stuff. And yeah. the fact that you replace Maryland with Louisville, you know, the fact that you have all these big East schools in it, it's like, okay, uh, you know, just, just hasn't, hasn't really translated, to be honest. Syracuse did have a very good year, their first year in the conference in basketball. The Syracuse, you know, what, the Syracuse Duke game, the two Syracuse Duke games were legit good. Yeah, the Bayheim ripping off his coat at Cameron game. Why and none act. Yeah, that was awesome. Sure, that's that's a memory. That's a lot of fun. Um, you know, but still, you know, Pitt Pitt's program is kind of dead. You know, needs needs to be resuscitated. Boston College. I miss the days of Al Skinner at Boston College. Who they haven't been running the running the flex on them? <laughs> right, like they have not been nearly what they were at one point at least sustained uh you know and all those things i think have had this cumulative effect on the acc and the tournament the tournament not being nearly as big of a deal and you know maybe all these forces would have uh collided at some point to make it more relevant um you know but it certainly has sped up things uh i, I feel like yeah i mean i think part of the problem is is regardless of who you add expansion itself changed the dynamic of the tournament because it went from being a convention where you'd take Friday off work and you'd drive down Thursday night to Atlanta or Greensboro or Charlotte or Landover or wherever it was. Uh, you'd, you'd be there with all your friends. You'd go to all four games Friday. You'd go to two games Saturday or sell your tickets to the Duke and Carolina fans. Uh, and maybe stick around for, for Sunday and then drive home. And it was easy and it was drivable and you're going to see the same people every year. And the building was split nine ways. Now, you know, you get tickets, the building split 15 ways. And, and how does that work? Like, I mean, really, who's going to show up on Tuesday and stay until Saturday if you're someone else isn't paying for it? I mean, you really if, let's think about it. If you're, let's say you're a, a, a Duke fan. Duke's not going to play till Thursday night. You're going to take an entire week off work to go up there Monday night and go to watch Pitt play Boston College on Tuesday and no. whatever. You know, it's just, it, it, it's, it had to expand to survive, but it also lost, especially in the case of the tournament. It lost what, what made the tournament great. And to me, it was that convention. It was the communal feel, uh, the people, you know, the, the, the sale of ticket books after your team lost and, you know, all the Clemson fans driving back Friday night, like all of that gave it that sort of feel that, that, that you could understand and it was repeatable and it would happen year after year. And, and you lose that. Now you come in, you watch your team play, you go, uh, you know, and, that, it's, and, and it was a huge media event too. Like every single newspaper in that ACC footprint had multiple people at the ACC yeah. tournament. Think about just the papers in North Carolina that don't even exist anymore that would cover the tournament in Atlanta or Landover, like High Point. I mean, I guess they still exist, but they don't cover the ACC like they used to. High Point and Fayetteville and Wilmington and Asheville and Charlotte and Raleigh and Durham and Greensboro and Winston-Salem. Like all of those papers are covered by like three people now. You know, like yeah, there's, there's, you know, an NC State beat writer for Raleigh and Charlotte and Durham. And there's an, uh, an NC State slash Duke beat writer for Fayetteville and Burlington and and Wilmington and New Bern and all that and there's there you know it just 
it's just the every you know obviously everything changed we don't need to be old men yelling at clouds here um but in the case the very specific case of the acc tournament and to a certain extent to circle back to the beginning duke unc things do get lost in the process and i do think it's important Absolutely. to take a step back once in a while like like we just have and and recognize some of that and just you know acknowledge that something something uh something good has been watered down or lost and to me that was the the eight or nine team and uh acc tournament yeah i would love to go back in time and cover a legit acc tournament i don't know if i ever really did I, I, quasi maybe a little bit well what was uh, your two, first as a as a as a reporter in college or your your first job i mean all there? right so my first one you know i went to state which is another reason why unc fans dislike me so those are the, we've, we've touched on that <laughs> but uh no i went to state let's see here it would have been the 2000 and uh i guess three tournament the one where if state wins that tournament maybe herb sendek is still here yeah. it was the jj reddick yeah introduction although he had had a great year up to that uh but state got up to that big lead josh powell fouled out cliff crawford fouled out uh i want to say state was at 15 the second half of that game and and jj reddick just you know started raining threes from all over the court uh and I, I think that was 2003 yeah because 04 was the gilchrist tournament yeah which we talked about that was my first and then yeah so it was like back-to-back -back years state was kind of in position to do something except in 03 they were actually in the championship game yeah uh and i don't know if it i guess all right so 07 i think they were in the championship game against unc in tampa yeah. uh and, and got beat um but yeah that was sort of the first one i covered uh first one i covered professionally you know i covered fsu um that might have been oh nine the first one they set you know the, the, the paper i worked for the Atlanta sentinel did not send me a couple of years when i covered mm -hmm. fsu fsu was good that year they yeah Atlanta Atlanta. In 09. that was a that was a fun tournament yeah that was a fun tournament hansborough had a big basket they still replay the aftermath of that basket with you know he's running down the running court, down pumping his arms oh yeah 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 and fsu had tony douglas that year so those memories stick out derwin kitchen yeah those memories stick out in my mind but honestly you know when i was covering unc like i often felt that i'm not going to say that they didn't care about the tournament you know because certainly you want to go out and win um but normally those teams were so good like they knew they were going to be in the NCAA tournament they were yeah. kind of playing for seeding occasionally I will say in 16, they really wanted to beat Virginia, which they did in DC. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was probably, as a beat writer, as a UNC beat writer, that was probably the most fun uh, ACC tournament I covered. And I love the layout of it in DC. It was a sort of tournament. Yeah, like right downtown, and teams were staying within walking distance practically of the arena. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's should, just sorry. I should hasten to add, just circling back to the '04 tournament quickly. That was the cocktail party tournament. UNC was lost. Okay. That was Roy made his comments. UNC lost in the first round to Jarrett Jack and Georgia Tech. And Jarrett Jack, man, yeah, Jarrett Jack yeah. stood on the stood up on press row and 
on everybody's laptops and screamed at the UNC fans. And I can't say it here. <laughs> the family podcast. Uh, family and then, podcast, uh, it is. Yeah, I remember Lennox Rawlings, the columnist for the Winston-Salem Journal, his lead was, turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> well, I, you know, I really wonder about the place of this event and the current landscape of college athletics. Like, football drives the bus to such a degree that, it has kind of made basketball not irrelevant, um, but it's you know it's not nearly what it was, and the way they've moved it around can say yeah you want to explore new markets, you want to get into that New York City market, you want to kind of take it around the ACC footprint. But I don't know, like if I'm the ACC, I feel like I want to be in a place where it's received well, where people are fired up to go to it, where you're going to have a pretty good environment. Uh, for it, and not sure that really exists in many places outside of North Carolina. That's I, I, that's a great point. I think that's the the central issue the ACC is always going to have is that the tournament. I, I maintain I, I I totally understand one hundred percent why people don't want to go to Greensboro. Um, you know the arena is not surrounded by what you would call a fan friendly environment, other than Stamies people from well, the, the good tattoo parlors though around there you know yeah. there's good convenience stores and everything yeah no i mean if you need your oil change the <laughs> acc tournament in greensboro is the place to do it but it and obviously other parts of greensboro are very nice the arena areas is not the, the 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 games the atmosphere inside the building in greensboro is just so much better than it is anywhere else uh, in part because there's nothing to do for China for tourists, but to go to the games and they do and they have a good time. I, I think the ACC needs to get, I mean, the two places to me where the ACC tournament works, and I think this will become sort of, uh, you know, a given if the ACC office moves to Charlotte, are Charlotte and Washington. The arenas are downtown, they're walkable, they're drivable for a majority of the schools. Um, I would love to go back to Tampa. Uh, I didn't get to go that year. Uh, everybody was there says it's amazing. Um, wow, obviously, okay. they didn't sell very many tickets, which is the issue. But that arena is beautiful. It's on the water. The, I was down there for the hockey playoffs this year. There's, there's millions of bars and restaurants and hotels. Uh, it's a terrific sort of uh, visiting fan experience. I, I think people would go. I Certainly, the media loved it. Uh, and then, you know, I think you, 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 they, they, someday the ACC tournament will be played in Madison Square Garden. I don't know when, and I don't think will it ma will it matter though? Like, I mean, how much does that matter? I, I I don't think it does, but I know there are people within the ACC who do. And maybe look, maybe if you can wait it out, you know, the, the next twelve, thirteen, fourteen years, and Jim Beheim retires, uh, then maybe it doesn't matter if you go to Madison Square Garden. Maybe yeah, in twenty thirty. Maybe after the last Bayheim kid, because he's going to have another kid just to keep coaching. So <laughs> after the last Bayheim kid graduates in 2039, uh, maybe they'll, maybe then the, it won't matter if they go there. Because it's just like I, they're true. The ACC looks at that like the garden, like this is the 80s Big East. You know, like it's just, like, it's not. It does. The problem is it's the people from Notre Dame and Syracuse and whoever, whatever fans are left at Pitt. They are all thinking, well, if we could. The ACC tournament sucks. I don't want to go to Greensboro. I don't want to go to Brooklyn. But if they play it in the garden, I would go. And that, like, boosters, mm. that filters up to presidents <laughs> and filters up to eight. Yeah, it's a, no, it's, it's, that's the same nostalgia that you and I are talking about for Greensboro sure. in 2004 
Atlanta in 09 or whatever, DC in, in 16. It's the same nostalgia. It's just a different flavor of it. And the fact is, our nostalgia is as BS as that nostalgia is. None of what we're talking about is ever going to come back. It's, that, it's gone, but we can talk about it on a podcast. And we're like the Arby's Twitter account. This just nihilism. This just nothing but nihilism here. This is ACC nihilism happening. ACC ACC nihil podcast. Eat Arby's. They have the meat though. If it's still active, I think it is. Oh well. I mean, the opposite of that is the steak on Twitter account, which is like you know philosophy and haikus and. Offering life advice, and you know, it's like the Deepak Chopra of corporate Twitter feeds. It's all fine. It's like the ACC. The brands are going to own us all in the end. I don't know why we bother <laughs> bother pretending we have agency or free will. Who knows? Look at Wordle. Wordle got bought by the New York Times. The cute. Little I saw that. Game. I did see that. They That's sold out. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it was one dude. If someone offered, if I created Wordle. And someone offered me seven million or seven figures, you know, I would take it too. Just like it's like not me, not it's like me, the ACC offering so... Louisville a spot. Of course, they're going to take it. Why wouldn't they? Probably we're going to have probation for the next forty-three millennia. I'd say this is too pure for me. Well, I don't need your money. This is too pure for me. It's a, you know what? It's about the letters to me and the words and the squares, and I'm good with it. That's what I would say. Well, we're, we're dyed in the wool newspaper men. Ink in our veins, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I would say. Dang it. Boy, I don't ever in my life remember a podcast that petered out to an inevitable end as much as this one has. Did this one just end? I don't think so. I think, you know what? Let's just keep it going. Dead silence. My <laughs> guest has been Andrew Carter. Let's keep now, it going, folks. Put your hands together just, for the money we just stare at each other. Yeah, no, all right. Yes. No, that was, thank you. Thank you for your time. I, I enjoyed this. I don't know if anyone else will. I, I like talking about the, the ACC tournament. I keep saying I like, you stuff. know what? This is good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to be a part of it, frankly. Well, well so I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I did. See, is I, that, think, I think that's going to be what our listeners say, too. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, thank you, Mom and Dad, for listening. I don't even think my parents do. What's a podcast? Thanks, Shannon, for listening. <laughs> Definitely not. Anyway, that was episode 14. Episode 15 will be better, I promise. I'm Luke DeCock. That was Andrew Carter. This will be the last. That's, that's the last one of these. Thank you. <laughs>